Hello everybody, welcome to the official number four podcast for the Something Heavy channel. Uh, I'm Robert. I'm Chris. And uh, as usual, we'll be discussing all things geeky and geek related. Um, I think the big news this week is probably the return of The Walking Dead. I think everybody's kind of gearing up for that on Sunday. Alright, this is Sunday coming up? That's this Sunday. Um, okay. Which So when this is out, it'll be last night. Yes, so um, don't if you're watching this in the future, don't tell us what happens because I want to be surprised. Um, and uh, probably Better Call Saul, the, the prequel, midquel, and, whoa, sorry. <laughs> the, it's a, I guess from what I read, Better Call Saul takes place before, during, and then a little bit after Breaking Bad. Okay. So at some point during the run of Better Call Saul, we will find out hopefully what happened to like Jesse and Skyler, and I'm hoping that everyone died. Right. Especially Skyler. Especially Skylar and Marie. I hope they died in some kind of bizarre murder-suicide with a chainsaw. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. And I saw the trailer for it uh, um, a, a while ago. Yeah. And it's seeming to me that it's it has like a lot more of a focus on comedy. It's like more comedic, it seems. Well, yeah, because every time that Saul Goodman was on camera in Breaking Bad, he was the comedy relief and he was stealing the scenes. You know, and that's yeah. that's Bob Odenkirk's bread and butter. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it was weird to see to learn that he was going to be on Breaking Bad because I knew him from Mr. Show. Right. Which you know, if anybody if anybody out there has watched Mr. Show, you know how brilliantly funny it was and how yeah. it's a crime that it's not still on the air. Well, you did see that they're gonna, there's going to be more Mr. Show. I didn't see that. Yeah, um, I think it was uh, David Cross and Bob Odenkirk, they like tweeted or something like a picture mm-hmm. of them and the rest of the cast of, uh, Mr. Show. And they're like around a, a writing table and stuff. And they're like, yep, we're doing more Mr. Show. On, is it going to be on HBO? That's all that's really kind of going to happen. I hope it's either on HBO or fingers crossed Netflix. Yeah. Simply because like, I don't want any content restrictions. Yeah. It's like you guys just do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Let them finally just, well, well I guess on HBO they could kind of do whatever they wanted, but. The, and then the other big news, this might be a Netflix-heavy episode because, okay. um, I don't know if you watched it, but they released the first teaser for Daredevil. I did watch it. Okay. Um, having grown up being a giant comic nerd, mm-hmm. I did, of course, have my, my my run-ins with Daredevil, particularly the Frank Miller run. Right. Um, Which it seems like the show is very hev- heavily influenced yeah. by Frank Miller. Because I noticed a lot of people complaining about the costume, and it was like, well, in the Frank Miller... Like, yeah. that's what he starts out with. Yeah, it's like, that's that's kind of like the origin story. He starts off in a black outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he didn't automatically go out and become, yeah. you know, the red leather suit, you know, the red leather body armor, which I'm curious to see how they're going to do that because um, we all remember what Ben Affleck did. We're not we're not going to get into it again because, but we know what he did. Okay? And see, he, I think I'm on the other side of this one, though. But you like the director's cut. I like the director's cut and... I've always liked the suit. I had an issue with the suit. I mean, Daredevil's suit is goofy as it is because it's a it's a full mask almost, and mm-hmm. then it stops right about here. I'm like, where did they find a red gimp outfit? That's basically what it is. But it if is. You think about it, is that if you're looking at it in realistic terms, that's okay. probably what more of like a, a, a superhero a superhero suit would look like in real life. It would just be like a leather. Gimp suit, basically. <laughs> it would be with, like, a little you bit know, of padding. Some, some padding. To, yeah, okay. Yeah. It would be a motorcycle jacket. Yeah. With some padding, you know. Yeah. I mean, I liked the Ben Affleck... Look, okay. When I was younger and dumber, okay. I enjoyed them. I was like, yeah, it's great. It's just as good as Spider-Man 2. It's not. Um, but it's not. In, in hindsight, it's like, you guys, 
what happened? Like Daredevil, it's again, it's a situation where it's done. The story's there. It's all. It's you just go and shoot. I think you know, like I said, the, the director's cut. I think that the director's cut is a solid movie, and I don't know why they didn't release it that way. Um, probably because isn't it isn't it like a good thirty minutes longer? Yeah, like there's a they left out an entire storyline, mm. and it was it was the whole thing where um, you know he. He can. He has like a client, and it's a, like the trial, and all this stuff. And he can tell who's lying based off of like he can. You hear their heartbeats hear and stuff heartbeat. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I think I read. There was a point during my teenage years where I was obsessed with getting the move, uh, the book, paperback book of a version of a movie. Uh-huh. I just have this like big collection of them. I even had like the paperback of like Sudden Death with Van Damme for some reasons because I was right. like, I got nothing else in my life. I'll read. Right. Um, and I had the the Daredevil one, and they had all this extra stuff in it. Yeah. That wasn't in the book. That wasn't in the movie. So I'm like, oh, they based this off of the script. Like, this is not yeah. a literal translation movie. Yeah. Um, but and, the, and, and the client is played by a Coolio. Like, which, legit Coolio? Like, it's Coolio, which is pretty alright. A Gangster's Paradise Coolio? Yeah. Is he innocent or is he guilty? He's innocent. Mm. I think. And I remember it, it. It's interesting because I looked back at, speaking of casting, I looked back at the cast list for the original Daredevil movie. And then I looked at the cast list for the upcoming TV show. Mm-hmm. And it was really weird to see, like, okay, you had Charlie Cox, who I don't really know. And then you had Ben Affleck, who at the time was, like, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Right. I, I prefer that it's an unknown guy. Yeah. I really do. Um, then you have Foggy Nelson, played by John Favreau in the first one. And then you have, I believe, Eldon Henson. But I like the Eldon Henson casting better. Although I do like, I do I love John Favreau. I mean, ever since you know, Swingers and PCU and stuff like that back in the day. I'd rather John Favreau just stick to directing. Um, yes and no. I think he's a very funny comedic actor. Mm-hmm. I think he was great in PCU. I thought Swingers was fantastic. Yeah. But I think he he aspires to more dramatic things. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, nah, it's like, you're, you're a gutter, dude. It's like, you... Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is I'm not, you know, nothing against his acting. I think he's a fine actor. I yeah. just, you know, I prefer the stuff that he directs. Okay. I can understand that. Um, I agree because I think um, the Iron Man movies were fantastic. Yeah. Um, he was great in Iron Man 3, which he didn't direct. Right. And then I was looking at the casting of Karen Page, the secretary at Murdoch Nelson. All right. Lawyers Esquire. Okay. LLC. Right. Um, and in the original Ben Affleck movie, it was paid by Ellen Pompeo and if you from Grey's Anatomy. Uh-huh. And uh, one episode of Friends. All right. Okay. Um, and if you watch the theatrical version, she's nowhere to be found. She has none scenes. They yeah. cut her out completely. Yeah, because I think she had she was part of that whole storyline that they just cut out completely. Which is pretty shocking because if you've read any of the comics, then you know that Karen Page is a huge influence in Matt Murdock's life. Yeah. She's a very pivotal person in his existence, and all the stuff that happens, we're not going to get into it because it might happen on the show, and I don't want to be that guy. Right. But to see that they cut her out of the theatrical movie when they filmed all her stuff, and then they cast a really good actress, in my opinion, to play her in the, the Netflix series... I'm excited to see it, and then I'm excited to see. It gave me it gave me confidence in what Netflix is going to do with Marvel properties mm-hmm. because I think it looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sold on AKA Jessica Jones. I think they cast the absolute wrong actress. Who was that? Kristen Ritter from again from Breaking Bad, um, Jesse's girlfriend who. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I she to me she doesn't fit that character. All right, I'm not familiar enough, so. I would be able to say. Yeah, um, but then like I saw the actor who they cast as Luke Cage. He's a giant swarthy black man. And I'm like, right on. Should have been Idris Elba or whatever. Yeah. 
And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with Iron Fist. I, I actually, there was a point during my teenage years where I, like, wanted to be Iron Fist. Yeah. I was like, okay, I didn't get bit by a spider. Both my parents are still alive. I'm really poor. So what can I do is, like, maybe I can start training in the martial arts. And then I can get, like, superhuman powers and focus on my chi. Right. You know, my punches and kicks. And then I can become the Iron Fist. Okay, so it's more realistic. In the, in... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. an actual, like an actual chance, like an yeah. absolutely realistic way to become a superhero. All right. Okay. Yeah. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I'm not as familiar. You're kind of the comic person in here. Yeah, that's my mythology. Yeah. I'm like Zeus or whatever. No. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I like comics and I get into them and I like watching the movies, but I haven't really read a comic mm-hmm. in a long time. Um, and that's mainly because it was actually Spider-Man that did it. That just uh, turned you off completely? Turned me off completely. I felt betrayed. Hurt and betrayed. I'm assuming it's the Clone Saga? The Clone Saga. Yeah, when I found out that, like, in my childhood, the Spider-Man that I had followed wasn't actually Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And Peter Parker was just, like, like wandering the land, like Kung Fu or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just shows up, and I was like, what? But you, if I remember correctly, you find out later on that that actually wasn't true. That the Jackal, Miles Warren, was just lying. See, I don't even know. Yeah, because at that point I was done. I was like, <laughs> and that okay. Peter Parker was Peter. So was going to lie to me for years. This is a relationship I don't want to continue. Did, had you read Maximum Carnage and things like that up until that point? Yeah, which is a great storyline. Yeah, um, I don't think it would work so much as a movie. Because no. it'd be like a three and a half hour movie. Totally. Yeah, and they'd never do that. No, they never do that. But um, but they, you know, if they did like a. If they did a Netflix like a Spider-Man series, series yeah. like 10 one-hour episodes, that would be pretty dope. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Even if it was just one, one series. Just a one and done? Yeah. But you know what? They never will. Yeah. We're just saying that'd be cool if they did. Because it would be cool. I would, you know, I think that giving Marvel properties to Netflix, I think letting them have their run of it, and, you know, eventually they're even like, you know, the Defenders will happen. You will see a superhero team up on Netflix. Like... Okay. Okay. I will wait patiently. <laughs> you know, and then um, uh, there was something else. Oh, yeah. The other thing about Netflix, speaking of, we talked about the Mr. Show reunion. We touched mm-hmm. on it just a little bit, but they're reuniting the entire cast of Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, I read that. For uh, a sequel series, I believe. And they got everybody. Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. Paul Rudd. They got Bradley Cooper. They got Oscar nominees to come back. and I'm just... I'm waiting to see what Christopher Maloney humps this time around. Because when he was humping that fridge, man, he was he was humping mm-hmm. it. He was going at it. He's and, getting it. And that is one of the, in my opinion, one of the most underrated comedies of like the last 20 years. Yeah, I think it was great. I think its problem was was the name of it. Was like, a wet hot American? And people were like, what? <laughs> but because... Like, no, and, and the reason why I say so is I hadn't... I didn't know anything about that movie. I didn't see it until it was on like Netflix or something. Years and years after it was it had been mm-hmm. released. Um, but when I was working at a TV station, I used to work for the CW, uh, we aired it once. And I remember being like, when I'd see like the, like the bumpers that we made for it, it didn't have like any, uh, you know, it didn't have any images from it. It didn't have any of this stuff. It was just like this Saturday, Saturday's, uh, you know, movie of the afternoon, wet, hot American summer. And I was just like, what the, what, what is this? It's you're going all, to be on the CW. And you're all, we're, we're showing porno now? Yeah. Like we're just in full-on pornography. Yeah. All right. Okay. But yeah, I agree with you. It's More people should see that movie. 
Um, yeah, it's it's underrated. It's one of those comedies that unfortunately like fell under the radar, and being that it was a spoof of like the '80s summer camp comedy, you know, Porky's Meatballs, all, all that nonsense, yeah. which I think I tapped out after like Porky's Nine, yeah, um, something like that, Isaac's Revenge or whatever it was called. And now you know, and now that I'm thinking about the whole name thing, mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to think of the guy who who wrote or directed White Hot American Summer, uh, uh, Showalter, David Showalter. I don't think it was Showalter; it was the other one. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, one of the guys from... Oh, it's David Wayne. David Wayne. Yes. Right. I got their names mixed up. Yeah. But the guy's from Stella. Yeah, Stella, which is... And Stella is one of my favorite shows ever. That show was hilarious. Yes. But again, Stella? You know, it's like... I don't but, think people really watched it, because they're like, what is this? There's three guys. It's called Stella. And see, the, I had the opposite reaction to that title. Yeah. I didn't know what Stella was. Uh-huh. And I thought it was like one of those... Do you remember the MTV show Undressed? It was like a it was like a soap opera. It used to come out every night, and um, like a like Katie Sackhoff was in it. Okay. Uh, Jason David Frank, who was the original Green Ranger, Tommy. Um, and a lot of really famous people were were in that soap opera, and it was all, all on around roughly the same time as Stella. And I remember flipping through the channel, seeing when Undress was going to come on, and I was like, "Oh, the hell is Stella?" I'm like I thought it was like another MTV soap opera thing. And I remember tuning in and watching. I'm like, "This is weirdly hilarious." Yeah. So I'm going to stick with it, and then. Um, I think it had the same problem as the state, which again had a lot of the same people, mm-hmm. where people just didn't get it, yeah, and so they just stopped watching it, yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, at the time it was like a type of humor that is a little more accepted now, mm-hmm. a kind of absurdist kind of stuff, right? But back then people were like, right, "This is weird." Yeah, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with the whole the onset of the Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm era of comedies where you know you could do pretty much whatever you wanted and you can make offhanded references to behaving like you know david caruso in jade which in my opinion is that's that's an absurdist joke because that's a very specific joke as well yeah because you've never seen that movie then you're like what yeah but then for you know steve crowd like okay i know exactly what you mean like that to me is absurdist humor and that they got away with that then Mm -hmm. so now if you go back and watch stella i bet you it would have a massive resurgence yeah i think so too yeah I'm excited for Daredevil. I think it'll be cool. I'm I'm I'm, I'm very hopeful. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I wish they. Like I like that they didn't. Yeah, I like that they didn't. I like that they didn't. Um, give too much away. They showed Matt Murdock. They didn't show him doing a whole lot of violence, but you got the impression it's going to be violent. Mm. Um, that scene right at the end where he's coming out of that the dirty street water and all his blood is coming out of his mouth. Okay, like something violent is going down mm-hmm. and I'm accepting of that um, and I like the fact that they've said that the red costume will make an appearance right. but it's not set in stone like when it's going to happen and it's not you know definitely going to be this season Right. Um, I also like the fact that they say that Bullseye won't be in the series Yeah. at least in the in yeah, the first run initially yeah I, which I agree with mm-hmm. I think that when you come in and you do something like in the very first Michael Keaton Batman movie you have the Joker right away Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. I like the way they handled it better in the Nolan trilogy, where you had the Joker in the second movie, where he's right. his existence is caused by Batman's existence, right? Which to me it makes more sense. Sure, I can see that. So like eventually, I want to see. I would like to see Bullseye and Daredevil fight, mm-hmm. as much as I would like to see. You know, um, I would love to see an actual Mandarin. Yeah, <laughs> some sort of. I mean, I like what yeah. they did with Ben Kingsley because he was hilarious. Yeah, but I want to see an actual Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I would love to see 
Danny Rand, Iron Fist fight the Mandarin. You know? Yeah. It makes me wonder if they're going to include the Hand, the Ninja Clan, or if they're going to do Elektra. Yeah. Which, you kind of have to do Elektra. Yeah. I think. I think that it'll be something that will develop. No, I mean, not right away. I wouldn't want all that right away. That's, I think, one of the big problems with Gotham. Is that everybody's just already Everybody's there. already there. Yeah. Like, everybody's the Scarecrow. And here's what I understand. Is that, like, you know, you have Edward Nigma, who works for the Gotham City Police Department. Uh-huh. And he's obsessed with puzzles. Because he's the Riddler. And he's already a good 10 years, 12 years mm-hmm. older than Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like all these villains are... are, all these villains are just... I think that if they had focused just on the crime war between Moroni and Falcone, Fish Mooney, and then maybe throw the Penguin in there, mm-hmm. and then Bruce Wayne slowly becoming, realizing what he's going to have to do with his life, and, and like I think that would have been better. Right. Because now they're just like, look, everybody, they're already here. Yeah, because, you know, the thing is, is that I, I would venture to say, if you were just kind of look at it realistically, mm-hmm. that Bruce Wayne didn't start being Batman... Until his like late twenties, yes, thirty. You know, maybe mm-hmm. about thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, so essentially they're setting up that that Batman is his all his villains are going to be like almost elderly people at that point. Well, yeah, because you figure that the kid in the show is like maybe what eleven, yeah, something like twelve, maybe at the oldest. So Bruce Wayne is gone, and if I remember my Eloise. He's gone for roughly seven to nine years, somewhere in that, you know, mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't leave until he's about 18 or 19. Right. And then he goes to, you know, Nanda Parvat, and he goes to all these other, he learns from Lady Sheila and you know, Henry Ducard and stuff like that. Um, and then he comes back, in my opinion, when he's around 27 or 28, mm-hmm. spends that first year fucking everything up and not really being... The vigilante, right. and then right around when he's twenty nine thirty, he sees the bat fly through his window. So then he spends like a little bit more time developing the suit, and he literally is Batman when he's thirty years old. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because he's got to get all that time to, you know, set everything up and get all his equipment. Right. And, and you know. I'm sorry, but the construction of a bat cave would take a while. Yeah, it would take some time, especially if you're trying to keep it secret. Which, again, how? But I think. <laughs> I remember reading on something on Facebook talking about how long would it take a real-life Batman to get caught by the police, and they're all probably about a few days. Right. Because all of a sudden, everything's normal, and then you have this one dude running around in a rubber suit beating everybody up with his bare hands, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, this gigantic estate out in the middle of nowhere, their power levels go up by like 900%, because <laughs> he's running a super crime lab in his basement. Right. It's like, yeah, dude, they would catch you. But yeah. I have a way around that. Well, doesn't I would imagine that you know Wayne Enterprises probably owns the power, like Gotham Power. You know what? Probably, but even if they don't, there's he has enough influence, and then beyond that, like generators. Yeah, because he'd have, have a lot uh, of generators. Morgan Freeman like fixing that stuff up for him. Yeah, I don't he, remember the character's name. Lucius Fox. Lucius Fox. Yeah, he'd be like throwing him some some juice on the sly. Yeah, and then also, you know, you just I don't know, just lie. Yeah. Just have, like, he has solar power. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I there's there's ways around it. Yeah. I think. Sure. So sure. I think, in real life, Batman would last quite a while. Okay. He would probably just get his head blown off at some point. Oh, yeah, he'd just die eventually. Or, like, oh, yeah, we yeah. found out Batman was Bruce Wayne. Like, he, he was murdered, like, real bad. Yeah. And, yeah, it was Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I think Batman would have to be somebody that you wouldn't suspect. Yeah. 
I think that they you know I understand that he goes through that by pretending to be a playboy and he's all aloof and whatnot. Right. But you would still suspect, like, you know what? He's kind of aloof, but he's never really around. He's built like a brick shit house. And does anyone else notice that his hands are like all scarred up and yeah, it's like and, stabbing and, you know, on his neck? The other thing like, is, is that like I understand the whole secret identity thing is to like to protect, protect the people you care about, correct, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I never really understood it so much with Batman because it's like, who is he trying to protect? Alfred? Mm-hmm. Like that's it. I think it's, and I also think it's to protect the Wayne legacy. No, oh. because. I mean, honestly, let's like Batman is my favorite superhero. I love Batman. I want to be Batman. But let's be very clear, he's a fucking lunatic. Right. Like he's a he's a crazy person. Sure. Okay. So like you know, I'm sure at some point in his madness, he realized, look, my parents still carry a good name in this town. Mm-hmm. The Wayne family has a good name in this town. Like if people find out that I'm beating up criminals in my pajamas, like. It's gonna be bad. Well, you would figure at least like somewhere down the line when like other superheroes crop up, like people know about Superman and Green Lantern, right? And then like Batman teams up with them. It's Justice League. Like it's it's an accepted thing. Superheroes, we love Batman. Like that wouldn't be an issue at that point either. No, but I, I, I imagine you you probably couldn't even get to like the front door of Wayne Manor without going through at least a couple of minefields. At, at the minimum. He's probably got traps and auto guns and all kinds of crazy shit going on. Like, Alfred's fine. <laughs> like, he'll be cool in the house. As long as he remembers his, like, security code and punches it in. Right. You know. <laughs> like, I, no one's gonna go fuck up Alfred. So who is he protecting? But he's also gotta protect himself, too, because he doesn't want to go to jail. Yeah, but he's, he's got money. It doesn't matter. When you commit it as any... Honestly, he's broken, like, a thousand laws. Yeah, well, he's broken all the laws, but... He's got a lot of money, and he's friends with Commissioner Gordon. Batman's friends with Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Commissioner but... Gordon doesn't care for Bruce Wayne. Well, what he finds out, he might be like, oh. Hmm. Mayhaps, but I, I, gotta, I gotta assume... I just think that, you know, it doesn't seem like something he would be all that... I mean, obviously there might be some downsides to it, mm-hmm. but I don't think it'd be something that he'd be that concerned about. I see your point, and I'll go you one further. How come no one ever figured out that with Bruce Wayne adopting all these kids that suddenly, like, new heroes were popping up with Batman? Right. It's like, Bruce Wayne got a kid. Batman got Robin. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm missing it, exactly. but it's something there. I can't... Exactly. And if, like, the, and if, like, the secret identity thing was to protect Robin, he didn't do a great job with that anyway. No. So he's on, like... He's, like, fifth Robin now or something? Right? <laughs> It gets tricky because whether you consider Cassandra Kane, Stephanie Brown, all those people. Technically, he's on his fourth male Robin, which uh, is his, yeah. his kid. Right. Damien Damian Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. Um, uh, which he conceived with Talia Al Ghul when they did some of that fucking. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Then she was like, oh, right. he's your baby. Um, but uh, it's, it's all tricky and convoluted in who you consider a Robin and who you don't because... Maybe her tenure was short, but then he was murdered, and, you know, yeah. it's a big old thing. Yeah, it is. It's a big thing. I don't yeah. want to get into it. No, because, and then, like, DC continuity is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It really is, because they keep, like, every five years, they're all, oh, another infinite crisis. None of this other shit happened. <laughs> and now Marvel's kind of doing the same thing. Uh, this year, they're bringing back the Secret Wars. Okay. And uh, it's going to be like the Ultimate Universe and the regular 616 Universe, which is the universe we know. They're all going to smash together and have to fight, and then at the end, one new universe will be formed. 
And then from there, it's going to, I think everything's going to start all over again, which allows, you know, Captain America to be, see Rogers be Captain America again. And just, I don't know. So I was kind of like, Marvel, por qué, why? See, this is, yeah, this is why I have a hard time, like, beyond the betrayal of my youth, like, getting back into it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know where to start. And I, you know, and I don't want to. I think the the new Marvel universe might be the point to jump off if you're looking for DC. Like the the new Fifty Two might be the way to go because mm-hmm. you know when they after the Flashpoint crisis they had a whole new DC universe and yeah, so you're already I'm starting to believe. Yeah, you're just like <laughs> it's already you're like I have none interest. Yeah, none. But I did. I I am caught up with Arrow though. I really I I I really like that show. I you know what I'm enjoying Arrow. And I didn't start watching it until about two months ago. <laughs> Two or three months ago. But I've watched, like, I'm, I'm all caught up. Mm-hmm. Did you watch last night's episode? I think so. Um, Uprising. <laughs> um, I'll admit... Yes, I did watch that. Okay, spoilers for anybody who hasn't... Yeah, Arrow's caught spoilers. up on Arrow. Okay, if, if you haven't watched Arrow, pause it, go do that, and then come back. We'll yeah, wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. All right. Um, you ready? So... When Oliver was killed by Ra's al Ghul, and I really love that they're pronouncing it Ra's al Ghul. Well, no, but that's the thing, is it depends on who's saying it. Well, Oliver says Ra's. Yeah. And then Tommy, uh, Malcolm Merlin says Ra's. But I want to believe it's Diggle, uh, uh, David Ramsey. Yeah. He says Roz. Yeah, I think, and then uh, the Felicity, she yeah. says Roz. She says Roz al Ghul, yeah. Which, like, that's Arsenal the only... Arsenal also says Roz. We don't... He's... Shh. You just be pretty and stand there in your red leather. Yeah. Let me look at you. And then go. And I think the new Black Canary also says Roz. Well, then they're all wrong. It's, are, you it's... Sure, are you sure that... I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember hearing somebody say Roz in a deep voice, and David Ramsey has a deep voice. Well, no, what I'm saying is, are you sure that Oliver says Roz? Or Raish? I'm pretty sure, sure Oliver says Raish. I can see. I will. I would be willing to wager a crisp American dollar on it, because that's actually been something that's bugging me. Because some people say Roz, some people say Rage, and it's Rage. It's Rage, and I'm basing that on Batman the Animated Series, right? Because if, if if Kevin Conroy is going to say Rage, I'm going to say Rage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If he carried that over to the to the Arkham games, and they've carried it over into the to the DC animated universe, yeah, it's so, it's, it's Rage. Yeah. It's Rage. Anyway, um, I will admit. I thought last night's episode was really good. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I, I like the fact that Arsenal and, and the new Black Canary don't win every fight. Yeah. I love that Laurel, for the most part, gets her ass kicked because she doesn't really... She's yeah. not that good yet. But when they're having the big Outsiders rumble mm-hmm. in the middle of the glades, mm-hmm. which conveniently there's no cops in... Um, well, that was part of the plot point. I understand. I'm, and I'm not arguing <laughs> with it. I get it. When they're fighting... And Laurel goes to check on Wildcat. Uh-huh. Okay. And then Oliver's green arrow just hits the ground. Yeah. I will admit right now, I looked up at the ground and I was like, Oliver? Like with them? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, I was in there with him. I was like, it's a crazy fight, huh? And the arrow comes out Oliver? And like, I was happy because I'm like, he's, he's back. Right. I will express disappointment though that they didn't use the Lazarus pit. Yeah, I was. Really I wanted them to that. do the Lazarus Pit. Yeah, I think that would have been a good way for them to, um, kind of establish their mythology, mm-hmm. their magics, their metahumans in the Arrow universe because they've already done it in Flash. Right. 
which I don't know if you watched last night's, last night's episode, but that one was I haven't seen that one. Okay, we won't talk about it, because it was really good. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and, and I also wanted them to kind of solidify, because they've already, you know, made mention of, of Rachel Ghoul being, you know, however many years old. But the last time he got into a trial by combat was like 67 years ago. Yeah. Which, you know, okay... That's been a good 67 years for that guy because he's, he's pretty spry. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that, I mean, I, I, let me start over. I don't like the fact that they didn't do the Lazarus Pit. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to do a Lazarus Pit for Oliver. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that it would have kind of explained some things with League of Assassins and Rachel Ghoul and, and all that and kind of stuff. It would have allowed them to send Oliver back to Starling City ready to fight. Right. Because I kind of, you know, and here's the thing that I have a problem with a lot of times in comic books. DC seems to be the most guilty of this. Mm-hmm. As a half-Asian myself, I kind of take issue with this whole idea of like, it's like, oh, well, we brought this Asian girl over here to bring you back to life. Well, why can't she do that? She's Asian. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? It was just like, she brought you back to life. Well, okay, like, we'll just accept that because she's Asian. Okay, I, I She wanna... probably did this a little bit, rubbed her hands together. Probably. She did some Miyagi on it? She miyagi did a bit. You know, probably went out and, like, collected, like, some kind of, like, snow grubs or something, and then, like, you know, mortar and pestled them into, like, a, you know, sprinkled... Into some kind of brood? You know, like, the the ash of a human toe. Like, you know, like, all Asians are, like, witches and wizards, basically. They're just inherently mystical. Yeah. Okay. I've been your friend for a long time. Mm -hmm. Ten years plus at this point. I can attest... That you have never done anything mystical. Right. I'm also expressing my disappointment in that. Because you're like my first good and true Asian friend. I've yet to see you do any awesome kung fu. Yeah. You are not in a triad. No. Okay. You you have not rode in anywhere on a dragon. Nope. And you don't have a rickshaw. No, the only thing that I can confirm is that we, like, every Asian is haunted by, you know, creepy Asian girls. That is true. That's true. I mean that's, that that's happens. True Asian. That happens m- more often than you think. Yeah. And after a while, it's not even scary. Yeah, we're just used to it. I was like, Ooh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, had they done the Lazarus pit, it would have allowed Oliver to come back ready to fight right away. But I understand. I guess I understand the other side of it, where it's like now he's. It's a struggle for him to be who he was. It's a struggle for him to come back as you know the Green Arrow. Which I think at this point, I've heard them reference um, call Arsenal. Yeah, Roy Red Harper. Arrow. They've called him Red Arrow several times. Yeah. And they've also referred to him as Arsenal. Right. When are they finally just going to call Oliver Queen Green Arrow? Um, when he grows that amazing goatee. Because which I'm hoping will happen. Just... You know what? I will agree with that because if there's one complaint about Stephen Amell, and I don't have many because I, I do enjoy that man's work. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't have a beard. Yeah, he's just perpetual stubble. It's just he just never shaves. And, like, it doesn't grow anymore. <laughs> like, you guys, come on. Oh, the other complaint I have to bring up, the flashback hair is officially out of control. Yes. Please stop. That last wig was deplorable. I can do better with the resources I have. Yeah. Well, but see, they're trying to get to that point where he gets rescued because it was pretty long when he got rescued. Yes, but he was on the, he was on the island for five years, so they have one more year of flashbacks. and then. But he it. wasn't on the island for five years. Well, Clearly. He was on the island. He, he was gone for five years. He was gone for five years. And that was that's actually one of the complaints that I have, is that it seemed like they weren't really heading towards uh, 
like this whole flashback storyline of him being in Japan mm-hmm. or whatever. Because in the first season, like he always said, he was like, I was on the island for five years. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, you clearly fucking weren't. I mean, obviously he gets back there somehow. Yeah, that's... And, and, and then he gets stranded and like his clothes get all tattered and... He gets all cast away? Yeah, he ends up looking all cast away, but not over the course of five years. Well, yeah, over the course okay. of probably a couple of months the way this is going. And here's something else I don't understand. When they when they get him back mm-hmm. at, at, during the beginning of the pilot, right. it opens with Slade Wilson's mask on the beach, and it's got the arrow in one eye. Right. So, at some point, he swam down to the boat, <laughs> got the mask, and came back up, and was like, yeah, I have my totem! And then he <laughs> ran off into the jungle all crazy. Right. Um, when they find him, if I remember correctly, he has on, like, tattered green shorts. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are literally dozens of dead bodies on that island, and yeah. there are supply caches everywhere. Yeah, camps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's camps. There's a cave. I'm literally sure there was a Costco that never got finished. Yeah. And so, like, ah, just loot that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't bother. Yeah, there's, like, a car dealership. and Is that, wouldn't it, funny? Shit. it would have been hilarious <laughs> if, like, he just was like, one day, I'm going to map the island. He walks around. There's, like, a Hilton. It's awesome. <laughs> Bitch. Like, yeah, we heard all those booms. What was that? Yeah, what was that about? You guys all right? Yeah. Come have a daiquiri. No, they'd be like, we're going to need some see some ID and a credit card. And he'd be like, oh. He's like, I left that in my shipwreck. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm sorry, I left it on the boat that I almost died on. Can I make a phone call, fucker? No, no you can't. Um, you need to leave the lobby immediately. Yeah, I understand that that's like a tiny little nitpicky thing, mm-hmm. but having seen the show, I mean, there was rocket launchers on the island. Yeah. like there's. I'm guaranteeing you one of the many people that have been killed on the island has a pair of pants that you fit into. Sure. So I guess my and they've always said and they've it's it's concrete that he was only gone for five years. Right. Well, maybe he maybe that's part of what he did is he just went around and like buried all those bodies. Maybe by the time he gets back, they're like you know stinking pretty good, and he's like, well, I'm stuck on the island again. I might as well make it kind of livable. Or he has like a big body bonfire. I, I guess if he's gonna do like a big funeral pyre, that's one thing. But if I'm on an island by myself and I realize, okay, like these pants are gonna get ripe in about six minutes, I need to find some other supplies. I'm sorry, but like I would go to dead body, I would loot the body. Yeah, that I makes would sense. straight up like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry Three, those bodies, and take everything I could. That makes sense. But then I would imagine he's probably like, oh, I'm not to worry about it. I'd probably just make some new pants out of leaves and, and stuff. Rope. Yeah, that I crafted my own hands because I know how to do this now. I always love that in Castaway when Tom Hanks has been on the island for a long time. Yeah. And he was he, on for like five years too, right? I, no, he wasn't that long. He was only gone for like, like I want to say, 1,500 days. I see. I think it was longer than that. So it comes like four years? I think it was five years. I think it was just shy of five years. I'm still going to like round up. Either way. Well, he was gone roughly the same time as Oliver. When they show Tom Hanks on that island, after he remember because he knocks the tooth out with the ice skate because it's hurting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it fades to black, and then when it comes back up, he's like literally spearfishing from like a good fifty yards away. Yeah, and he just tags that fish. He's like, "Boom, bucker!" Yeah, he's I was like, totally lean. Like, he's just, no he's just lean. He looks like a wallet. Yeah, and he's got that long old like beast hair. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish they had done something a little bit more with that with Oliver. Like he's just tattered, but you can tell like underneath was like, "Dude, that dude is shredded." Well, yeah, but see, that's the thing is I could buy it in Castaway because he was actually there for four or five years, mm-hmm. but. He spent at least some time in, you know, Hong in Hong Kong. Is it Hong Kong or is it? I don't know. Well, and then when, at what point does he become? They've kind of explained it, but in, I didn't really buy it because when Oliver gets back to 
Starling City, he's very into the Russian mob. Yeah. And he, like, they owe him favors and shit. Yeah, so there's going to be that all coming up. And no, but then, like, when he was on the boat, when they were going to fight Slade the first time. Yeah. Him and uh, Sarah. Yeah. He makes friends with that Russian scientist, physiatrist, whatever he was. Yeah. And uh, the guy's like, if you ever need anything in the Russian mob, oh, you talk to these guys and they will they will hook you up. Like, they've got your back. You're one of us now. Right. So I'm wondering if that was it or if they're if they're, like, season, the next one. There's going to be more Russian stuff. If it's going to for some reason, he's in no, Moscow. I, you know, now I'm thinking it probably is. It probably was just that. So then, I wonder if he got deposited back on the island. He was there just long enough to need a haircut and a shave. And he's like, "Boat coming!" And he just like messed up all his clothes, rubbed some dirt on his face. He's like, "Okay, yeah, rescue me!" Five years. Mm, yeah, that's I don't know. That's kind of been bugging me this season. I'm gonna admit. Um, I think he's been in Hong Kong a long time. Yeah, seems like that. That kind of confuses me but i understand why creatively they moved it off the island because there's only so much you can do on it like what more pirates are coming yeah because i mean his mullet is definitely developing quite well it's you would think that amanda waller would be like hose him off and cut that shit off now yeah because he he don't he daren't look good let me ask you something as a comic book guy okay speaking of amanda waller how do you feel about the depiction of amanda waller in uh arrow um, I like that they've made her super ruthless, mm-hmm. but I don't like that there's not one redeemable quality about her. Because right. even in the comics, like, she's ruthless, but, like, when she forms the Suicide Squad, eventually she comes to care for them. Right. Knowing full well that they're criminals and psychopaths, and Harley Quinn is, like, one step shy of literally taking over for the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, she does come to care for them, so there's a bit of humanity there. And I don't really, I'm not really feeling that in yeah. the depiction on Arrow. Now, in terms of the Suicide Squad, the movie... Um, you know, they've cast, uh, what's her face? Viola Davis yeah. from The Help um, yeah. as Amanda Waller, which I'm interested to see what she brings to it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've said this before now, and I'll say it again, I don't like the way that they're making the DC TV universe and the DC film universe completely separate. Yeah. I think that's a bad idea. I yeah. think they should have had Grant Gustin go from the Flash TV show to the Justice League movie. And I think they should have had Oliver Queen, Stephen Amell go to the Justice League movie. Maybe not they're in the whole thing. Yeah. But maybe towards the end, you know, we see him. Because The Flash is, you know, he's a founding member of the Justice League. And to, kept, to completely disregard what's happening on, in my opinion, a pretty good TV show mm-hmm. is, I think, a, a very big mistake. Um, but, you know, I'll still watch the movies. Yeah. I'm the comic book nerd that I am. Sure. Yeah. What can you do? So a little, little off topic. Mm-hmm couple of things i wanted to talk about um last week i had talked about a movie that i saw at some dance called reversal yes which i really liked yeah and um so in uh, editing that that podcast because i i didn't really like you know look into the movie that much i just went and saw it okay and um apparently i'm the only person who liked that movie <laughs> Like, there's a lot of, like, all these uh, uh, articles and stuff all over from Sundance. People are like, why the hell was this movie at Sundance? Really? Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, especially with our, our horror talk that we did a couple podcasts ago, mm-hmm. is that people's mindsets with, with horror movies. Because it was just like, it seemed like people's complaint with it is that it seemed like, you know, an older, almost grindhouse style horror movie instead of, you know, these, more, like, more modern... Uh, you know, jump scare fests, mm-hmm. gore fests. 
And I thought that was, I don't know, I was really surprised by that. And I just wanted to mention it, I guess. Was there, um, were there, was there talk of misogyny? Um, no, there was, there was no talk about that at all. And which I also thought was kind of interesting because, um, you know, one of the things I, when I was at Sundance, I, you know, I would go panel to panel. I wouldn't even know what they were most of the time. And, uh, you know, I just kind of pop my head in and if this was interesting, I'd, you know, stay for a while. Mm -hmm. And I ended up sitting in on a lot of panels, uh, where they were talking about like the role of women in film, uh, both behind and in front of the camera, which I think I have kind of an unpopular opinion about because I hear a lot of complaining about that of like, oh, there's not a lot of you know, like, good roles for women, you know, they're always just, you know, this, that, or the other thing, there's all these trips to it, and I kind of view it the same way that I just say to any filmmaker or whoever, it's just like, if there's a story that you want to tell, if there's a character that you want to play, there's no reason why you can't write it, why you can't make it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't sit here and complain that, like, nobody has, hasn't written this for you. Like, write it. Put it yeah. out there. Or get someone, get someone to write it for you. Right. Or whatever. But then you have a movie like Reversal where it's like, you know, this is a strong female character. Um, you know, she doesn't need saving. She saves herself. And she ends up saving a lot of other women. And all this kind of stuff. And uh, But nobody seems to be talking about that. Right. They're just like, well, this is just a trashy horror movie. Why was it at Sundance? It wasn't, it wasn't of the caliber. You know, it was real snooty. I've noticed. It really yeah. kind of pissed me off. Yeah, I, I think for a long time, um, getting into the Sundance Film Festival was like the brass ring for an independent filmmaker because if you could get into Sundance if your film was deemed worthy, then mm-hmm. I think you were pretty much guaranteed some sort of career, be yeah. it directing TV or you know making, continuing to make independent films that would find their audience and find their funding. Sure. But I think nowadays there's almost this kind of snobby you know hyper elite viewpoint Mm -hmm. from the people who review Sundance films Mm -hmm. and um probably have never made a film in their life that's I I I never really put a lot of stock into what reviewers say yeah simply because I think the old cliche adage is kind of true it's like these guys are all failed filmmakers and actors and actresses. Like, they wanted to do it, but they couldn't do it. Like, even if you look at, like, Roger Ebert, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly, Roger Ebert wrote Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is one of the worst fucking movies ever made. Right. And then he immediately, I don't think he made anything else ever again. He went straight into reviewing films. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, he couldn't do it, so he just wanted to talk shit about everyone else. Right. And eventually he became, you know, he could appreciate things for what they were and, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I don't think, as a filmmaker... Or an audience member, you should really put a lot of faith in what critics say because nine times out of ten, your opinion is going to be different. Yeah, you know there are certain reviewers who thought you know Gili was a complete piece of shit, right. and by no means is it a good, you know, is it a great movie, but it's an okay movie. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as everyone said. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, there are people who watched, you know, who are going to watch the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, and honestly believe that it's a good that it's a good movie. <laughs> It is yeah. not. Yeah, I no, haven't I just, seen it, and it is not. I, I just thought it was interesting that there was just. It seemed like there's a lot of, a lot of negativity toward that movie. For you think people it's who simply, saw it at Sundance? Do you think it's simply because it was a horror movie at Sundance? I think it was a horror movie at Sundance that wasn't produced by an independent arm of a major studio. 
Right, which is, that's pretty much what Sundance is now, right? For the most part, yeah. Most of the movies that are coming out. I mean, they, they did a, a surprise screening of uh, uh, Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending. Ascending. Which is a huge budget yeah. blockbuster film. Yeah. It's like, what, what the fuck is that doing in Sundance? Right. You know? Um, but yeah, I kind of got this this notion that people were like, yeah, you know, Reversal would have been better, you know, up the street at Slamdance. And it's like, I don't know. It's that sort of kind of pretentious elitism that I right. really... That I really don't like about the film industry. As a filmmaker, does it does it turn you off from wanting to submit a film to Sundance? No. No, it doesn't. Um, actually, it actually gives me a little bit more respect for Sundance. That they would allow a movie that like they Reversal. that they put something like that out there. Well, it wasn't in competition. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, um, that's why I think most film festivals that people try to aim for are now probably more akin to slam dance and then I think nowadays the the brass ring is probably South by Southwest. Yeah. I think if you because it South by Southwest is kinda of known for genre pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Robert Rodriguez right there in Austin. Um Ain't It Cool News is based out of Austin. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that when you have stuff like that Yeah, you got the Alamo Draft House. The Alamo Draft House and, and stuff, yeah. yeah, I think that that's that has in my opinion for most young filmmakers that that kind of has to be the the way they're leaning now is like i can't even imagine most people trying for sundance just going straight to yeah. south by southwest and then of course the regional film well yeah and then there's always that there's that that whole thing with between the festivals that basically make you kind of have to choose because you know if your if your movie premieres at sundance then obviously or they won't allow it in the other festivals like you can't even screen it as far as i understand you can't it seems counterintuitive to me. Yeah, but, but maybe they're just trying to hedge their bets. Right. They and that's to... and that's something that I've never really, uh, uh, you know, I hope to start kind of getting into. But in all my time as a filmmaker, I've never been that interested in submitting to festivals. Until now, I'm, it's something that I'm thinking a lot more about. Right. So I'm learning a little bit more about it. Um, so we'll see how kind of how it goes. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it's something where like you can just submit to everything and then. Like, almost like colleges where it's just like, yeah, you just, okay, I get I got acceptance letters from here, here, and here. You know, that would be the hope. That would be the good problem to have. I, I think that's probably what the the model should be. Is like you just kind of you send in your audition, you send in the film. I mean, your application, not audition. Excuse me. Um, you send in your application and you send in the film and the entry fee and you send them into as many as you can afford. Yeah. And hopefully you get into some of the big ones. You get into Harvard, Yale, and Stanford. And... Yeah, and then you got to pick one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I would think that you try to submit to as many as possible. Yeah. I don't know. Having heard you say that, it makes me not be interested in Sundance very much. Like, you know, I remember reading an article about the Sundance Film Festival and how commercialized it had become and how, you know, every movie that has... I, I want to say it was like 2008, 2009... Um, every film that was playing there was either made by the independent arm of a major studio mm-hmm. or had already res- secured international distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through HBO or, you know, a major theatrical release or anything like that. And, and so to me, it's like, okay, then then what's the point? Mm-hmm. The, the point of an independent film festival is to give unknown filmmakers the chance to show their film and to be heard. If you even if you go back to 1994 and you know when Kevin Smith screened Clerks at the you know, one of the film festivals in New York, mm-hmm. you know, 
that's that's the point. Yeah. Because otherwise, no one would have ever seen Clerks. Right. And uh, so when I hear about that kind of thing happening, where every studio has a film, Clerks was a Sundance film. It was eventually accepted into Sundance. But then also hear things like Paris Hilton is at the Sundance Film Festival. (laughs) Yeah. Why? I don't. Yeah. In that, in, in in that was definitely noticeable. There was that, like the two different sides of it. Like you could tell what just walking up and down the street, uh, like who like the filmmakers were, the people that were in, into independent film, as opposed to the people that were there to gawk at celebrities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you know all that you know, and all the all the actual like festival stuff, like the panels and. And things like that. Those were all closed down by like 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And then, like, Main Street basically just turns into a nightclub. Okay. And so everybody's still there. They're all there for Sundance, but it's all just, like, parties, private parties and, uh, you know, bars and all this kind of stuff. Right. You know, uh, music going on, different places and, and all that kind of thing. And then, you know, they have movies running all the way till midnight. But the actual, like, festival, you know, things where you might learn something or you know, find things out about film. That's all done by like by the afternoon, late afternoon. So it's kind of both sides right now. And I, def- I definitely didn't like, you know, when it became nighttime in Park City. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, you know, it was like fucking Mardi Gras. Yeah. And, uh, well. So, <sighs> you know, I just thought that was interesting. The other thing I wanted to mention, just kind of off of uh, some discussion we've had before, I finally saw Boyhood. Okay. And I hated that movie. You hated Boyhood? I absolutely hated Boyhood. Okay, tell me why. Because there's no point to it. <laughs> well, isn't the point that it's just, like, snapshots into this kid's life over, like, 12 years? I guess. But why is that supposed to be interesting to me? Other than the fact that I get to see him, like, get a little older every few minutes. I think it's kind of the point. And then just to see how... Well, why, are you, why are you wasting three hours of my life with that? What is three hours? It's almost three hours. Wow, it's a long time. Um, I know I found was... that like Patricia Arquette's character, like if the movie was about her, I would have been far more interested. But basically, you're just watching this little kid who just kind of who gets a you know it doesn't even, you know it doesn't even seem like you know year by year by year. It still seems almost like he jumps in age. Mm-hmm. It's just older, 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 older. And it's just like these points in his life, and he just kind of grows up to be every kid who goes off to college and is like I'm gonna spit pot talk about philosophy with my you know this chick and I'm like this is not compelling to me hmm. whatsoever um I think so it seems to me this year that there was a lot of movies that were shot in an, in a unusual style mm-hmm. in particular Birdman and Boyhood right and um I still want to see Boyd. I just I, I like the idea of coming the the level of commitment that it took from Richard Linklater and everyone else involved to go back every year and shoot this one particular thing, you know. For yeah, and I would take that away from you know that's that's great, but the thing is, I just I don't feel like they've put together a compelling. You were just movie. bored. I was I was bored. I didn't care about the people. A lot of it was very predictable, mm-hmm. especially knowing. Uh, Richard Linklater in the movies that he makes, like they're Richard Linklater characters, yeah. and that kid grows up to be a Richard Linklater character, and it was it was all very predictable. You know, on the, you know, looking at something like Birdman, where it had me engrossed the entire time, and it was like an interesting story. It was a very, it was a character study. Right. 
Whereas it was just like, this is a kid and he grows up. Thanks for your almost three hours of time. Mm -hmm. I just, I really did not like Boyhood. Okay. So out of all the Best Picture nominees, you've seen American Sniper. I've seen American Sniper. You saw Birdman. I saw Birdman. You've seen, I think Whiplash is nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I've seen Whiplash. You've seen Boyhood. Right. And you, what else, um, have you seen Selma? No, I haven't seen that one. I don't know if Selma's nominated for Best Picture. Anyway, um, so you've seen almost all the Oscar nominee movies. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. Oh, I was at the store yesterday, and Uh I did see that John Wick is now available on on, uh, DVD. Oh, excellent. I was on Reddit earlier today, and I I saw that uh, John Wick 2 is already in pre-production. Yes, it is. Um, Good for you, world. Do you, does the world need another John Wick? Yeah. Is it is it going to be John Wick 2 Electric Boogaloo? I hope so. I better be. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I haven't seen the first one, so... You still you still need to. Um, I think I do. I think I, need, I could use a little Keanu in my life right now. Yeah. At any point, does he, like, struggle to shoot somebody and then he can't and he starts firing into the air? No. He has no problem shooting anybody in this movie. He just kills everybody he comes in contact Actually, with. Actually, it's kind of interesting the way they do it. He has this uh, very specific way of shooting people. Yeah, it's the center axis relock. It's a shooting technique. Oh, okay. Explain it to me. Basically, you just you, your body's turned sideways a little bit and the gun is held closer to the chest and at a, at a certain odd angle. Oh, okay. That's not quite what I was talking about. Okay. Is that he just... Like, no matter where he shoots somebody... He always ends it with a shot to the forehead. <laughs> so if he shoots at their leg, the bullet just... Well, no, he'll, he shoots them in the leg, they fall over, you know, he might end up shooting them in the chest, they're dead. But just in case, here's a third one in your in your head. In your dome. Yeah. He just makes sure everybody gets at least a bullet in the head. He's just thorough. Yeah. He just makes sure they're all dead. It happens. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of movie trailers during uh, the big game. Oh, yeah, I heard about the big game. I don't know if we're allowed to say the, the actual name of the big game, because I know you have to pay every time you say it. Okay. Um, so, anyway, they showed some trailers like uh, Jurassic World. Uh-huh. That looks really good. I haven't seen it, but I was told that it looks pretty awesome. It, look, it looks pretty cool. Um, I'm excited to see Chris Pratt lead a gang of velociraptors yeah. whilst he's on a motorcycle. Yeah. Like, they're his backup. Like, oh, that's our human. Let's go, dude. And yeah, he, like, he's right. riding it, and they're all running with their idea. We got this. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> how? Yeah. I'm sure it's something. Wasn't he supposed to be like a like a velociraptor trainer? Well, he's like a dinosaur wrangler. Yeah. At this point, because you know, in the, at this point in the world, what I what I want to hear explained, and I hope they get into this, is at the end of Jurassic Park, two. San Diego was attacked by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay, okay. At the end of the Jurassic Park, the Lost World. Okay. Um, a T-Rex attacks San Diego, and they manage to subdue it. Um, okay. All this other shit happens, and everybody finally knows that dinosaurs are back and stuff like that. Um, at the end of the Lost, uh, the end of Jurassic Park three, which actually I really enjoyed. Um, Never saw. Alan Grant, who got suckered into going back to the islands, mm-hmm. um, is flying away. And he sees a bunch of pterodactyls, pteranodons, if you will, um, flying away. This is them flying uh-huh. um, across the sea. Right. So, at what point did the people behind Jurassic World collect all them dinosaurs 
build up this theme park and like make sure everything's okay because like in my opinion people would be freaking the fuck out if they suddenly knew that dinosaurs were back like right. it, it, it it's almost akin to if aliens landed in central park and they're like hi yeah it's true we've all been here the thing with roswell that was our fault um aliens exist like where there's hundreds of species out in the galaxy you guys are clearly not alone the world will kind of implode in on itself and I think there'd be something not as bad, but roughly mm-hmm. akin to the dinosaur thing. Yes, I could see that. So is this, um, is Jurassic World like a sequel, or is it like a reboot? As I understand it, it's a, all of the first three films happened, and this was a, a, a distant sequel. Okay. It takes place. Way later. 20 years after. So whatever happened, then it, it did happen. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, and then they, I just, I just they wrangled to... it. Yes. Chris Pratt is because my understanding of the plot of the film, and this is just from someone telling me it, is that, like, they have this whole thing, he's a, he's a wrangler for mm-hmm. the dinosaurs, but then there's, like, a new species that has evolved of dinosaur? Well, it's not, no, it didn't evolve. It's genetically engineered. Genetically it's, engineered, but yeah. it's just, it's basically like like a wasp of the, the you know, dinosaurs, where it just, its only function is, it just wants to kill, it wants to hurt and kill. Well, and okay. so he has to, he has to get all the velociraptors get on his motorcycle and get his Velociraptor army to fight this, like, the, the evil dinosaur. Well, here's what happens. Bryce Dallas Howard, okay, um, who always plays the bitch. Yeah. Always. I mean, especially in um, 50-50 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. She's a terrible human being in that movie. Um, her company or whoever, the people she works for, they've genetically engineered a super T-Rex, basically, and it's called the Indominus Rex. Okay. And I don't know what Indominus means, but I don't know. Rex means king, so it's the Indominus King. Um, and it's got aspects of a lot of different dinosaurs. It's like, like got like the, the cranial ridge and the spines of a velociraptor, but it's got longer arms and than a T-Rex. Um, longer arms than a T-Rex uh-huh. but it's also got like some like thick armor plating from like some of the other dinosaurs because they remember like the Ankylosaurus and something that they had like armor, armor plating uh-huh. um, and it's like this super killing machine so they made this they, they genetically engineered it yes. on purpose for funsies okay and clearly um, they didn't think it through because as I understand it when you genetically engineer something bad you were asking for it to murder you. Right. So it goes on a, on, a, on a murder spree, and then I think a bunch of the other dinosaurs break out in part because it's on its murder spree. So then Chris Pratt and the Velociraptor gang are going, like, they're riding in to save the day. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that it's Chris Pratt and the Velociraptors are on his team. Yeah. But they, I mean, but we can all be reading the trailer wrong. It could be they're just chasing after him, and they're just, at that point, just fucking with him. Because remember, in the first one, when they when they circle in around Muldoon, uh-huh. and he looks at them and he's all, clever girl. Yeah. It could be that. They're just being clever. But yeah. they learned how to turn a doorknob. You think they can't figure out, like, duplicitousness? <laughs> so, so, are you saying that it might be that they, they seem to be teaming up with Chris Pratt, and then they're going to turn, turn on him? Like, it, it could be that, or it could be that we're just interpreting that particular footage wrong and they're not going with him they're just running around him at the same time and he's trying to like escape and they're just like fucking with him it was like yeah we already caught you all right well i'm just gonna go ahead and say it right here right now if it is not a situation of chris pratt teaming up 
with dinosaurs to fight a mega evil dinosaur, I'm not interested. He's not going to go. I'm not interested. Okay. I, I will go on record as saying I'm hoping it's Chris Pat, Pratt and the Velociraptor gang uh-huh. versus the mega evil dinosaur. Yeah. Because he even made his eyes red. Okay. And when something's eyes are red, it's yeah. just evil. Yeah. Automatically. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's that. But but Jurassic World look good, looks good. Mm-hmm. The other trailers, of course, were like um, The Age of Ultron. Okay. Which we've discussed at length. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think you didn't watch the big scoreball game. No, I did not. Okay, okay, I watched it. I couldn't even tell you who played. It was that's, that's the... how much I don't care. No, um, I can tell you because I watched it. Okay. It was the Miami Oilers. All right. Versus the Wisconsin Merman. Oh. And the Merman won by a three pointer. All right. So it was a good. Scrum. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was Patriots and the Seahawks. Oh, okay. Patriots won by four points. Oh. Interception right. I was late. ready to believe you. Interception late in the fourth quarter. Well, that's quarter. The, the perfectly works for me. Miami Oilers? <laughs> sure. I, I was, the Wisconsin Merman. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Who's the quarterback again? Yeah. Um, well, um, Gibson. Or Gibson, yeah. He played yeah. at a UNM. Yeah, see. absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's, but if there's one movie this coming year... That I'm very like super ultra excited to see. That's not a comic book movie. Oh. Is probably Mad Max. Oh yeah. Yeah, and just looking at like a lot of the production stuff with it. Oh like, yeah. I mean, because they had their stunt guys and camera guys, like on speeding vehicles on poles, and like it looked like everybody it should have died on that production. But they managed to scrape through, and that movie looks like it's going to be great. I always tell people this. Just remember that the guy who made Mad Max also made Babe. Fair enough. So if you're not expecting some, some straight up insanity, you're wrong. Right. I like the fact that they dirtied up Char- Charlize Theron. Uh-huh. That they cut off one of her arms. Okay. Um, I like that Mad Max is like this, you know, broken, I hate everything guy still. Yeah. But he's still alive somehow. Of course. It just looks ultra bleak and ultra depressing. Kind of like The Road. Yeah. The road's very sad. But then, you know, I think it's going to... Which I think is, is, is really says something. I mean, because of the, the the third act of The Road Warrior. That whole speeding down the road fight that goes on for like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to up the ante on it. I think they have to. That Just as the footage from them fighting and driving through an electrified sandstorm. Yeah. Electrified sandstorm, they're like... They're like you know, pole vaulting to other cars and shit. And... I always thought, I thought it was kind of cool when you see guys up on, like, bendy poles and they're just yeah. like, I'm coming for you. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't you... wait. This is going to be great. It's going to be great. And then speaking of car chase movies, um, are you at all interested in Furious 7? No. <laughs> I have not seen one of those movies. You haven't even seen The Fast and the Furious? Never seen it. Too Fast, Too Furious? Nope. Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift? Nope. Four Fast and Furious. Nope. Five Fast. <laughs> Six Furious. None of it. None Furious. I have none. I have none Fast or Furious. I was always hoping someone would make a spoof of the Fast and the Furious. And it's about uh, Razor Scooters. Yeah. And they're racing those. And it's called the Swift and the Mildly Cranky. And <laughs> that there's this new kid on the scene. And yeah. the reason he's it's so... It's all like six-year-olds. Well, no. It's like grown-ups. 
Or like teenagers. Okay. But there's one new kid on the scene and he's beating everybody in the races. And it's because he's got a club foot. And so he gets more traction in surface area as he goes. Right. And he's all... And he's basically got like a um, flipper. He's got so much extra traction that off the line, he's just jumping straight off because he's getting more get up and go with his club foot. Right. But no one ever did it. Maybe you should do it. I'm thinking I should at this point. Yeah. Um, they showed a trailer for that movie. Now, look, I'll be honest, I've enjoyed those movies. So there's a new one. There's there's the seventh one. Okay, didn't one of the guys die? Paul Walker. Yeah. He died in that car. Very, actually, I, Paul Walker made some decent movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Particularly Running Scared. Um, I thought Running Scared was awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Jason Statham is in this one. Oh. Also Kurt Russell. Really? Yes. So Snake Plissken and The Transporter. Can't go wrong there. Yeah, well, and I like Vin Diesel. I enjoy Vin Diesel. And do they have The Rock in it now? Yes, also The Rock. He's um, he's a government agent, actually. Yeah. And uh, he works with... He was after them in uh, Fifth Fast, Furiously, back. Uh-huh. And then um, in the sixth one, basically, he's working with them. And now in this one, he's working with, still them, again. Working with them Yeah, he's still... They're still... All right. Entangled. And well, um, maybe I might see that one in particular. I think you should because there's a scene where Vin Diesel, for some reason, is... Mm, they're in Dubai, and I don't understand why. That's the place to be now. It is. It's the thing. Um, and there's a, he's driving... This is his car. And he's driving his car through what I believe is the Burj Khalifa, the biggest building in the world. Uh-huh. And he jumps... He drives it out of the building. Uh-huh. Okay? And there's other buildings that are smaller, so he's coming like this to this building. Well, he might not make it, so Jason Statham fires... Because Jason Statham is the bad guy. He fires um, a grenade from a machine gun, and it hits the back of Vin Diesel's car, and it gives him just that little extra boost, okay? So he smashes into that other building, crashes through a bunch of shit, going all through smithereens. He dives out of the car Uh just in time for it to crash through the other side of the building and plummet to the ground below. Okay. And I want to say that all of that actually happened. All right. Fair enough. And so Statham's the bad guy? Statham is the villain. <clears throat> see, that's interesting. That makes me kind of want to see it. It's not often you see Statham as the villain. He doesn't enjoy playing the villain, I don't think. Yeah. I think he, he I think he wants to be the hero because in every single movie he's made, with the exception of, I think, this and the one, with, not the one with Jet Li, but War with Jet Li, okay. he was the good guy. Right. But spoilers, um, in War with Jet Li, he turns out to be the bad guy the whole time. Right. I and, vaguely remember that movie. And then him and Jet Li... Yeah. Fight again. Yeah. Did you watch The Expendables? I have. I've seen all three of them. I have not seen the third. I enjoyed the first one. Mm-hmm. I liked the second one slightly more. Okay. Um, I've yet to see the third one, but I do like the fact that, like, when it first started, it's like it's all the greatest action heroes of all time. You know, you had, you know, Schwarzenegger and Stallone and Bruce Willis and all that, you know, the, yeah. the big names. But now they're all Kelsey Grimm and that boxer guy. Yeah. And then the kid that was banging Miley Cyrus. Yeah, well, now it's all, like, like UFC people. Well, Ronda Rousey. Right. She's a UFC fighter. Victor Ortiz is a boxer. Okay. Actually, Ronda Rousey is the women's bantamweight champion. She's a bad motherfucker. That's what I hear. Um, she's uh, she is not pleasant to engage in, in one-on-one combat. Okay. I can attest. Um, it seems so in The Expendables 3. Um, so, I'll believe you on that one. Yeah, and then, like, for some reason, that <clears throat> dude from Twilight, Kellen Lutz... He's one of those guys that's just gonna I like. I never even recognized him. Well, I, I may have seen 
the Twilight movies because they were on Showtime? Well, I saw the first one. I want to admit to you. Okay. It's so, okay. Um, I watched them and I might have read the books. However, where I get confused is Kellen Lutz is one of those dudes that, that they just keep letting make movies. Okay. You know? I, I'm not familiar with this person. He was in, he did, they, for some reason they made a, a Hercules movie. Which, which one? It was... Not the, the Not the Rock one. Not the Rock one. Okay. It was the Not Rock Hercules. And um, it wasn't... As you're watching it, you're thinking, why am I watching this? Like, what's the point to this movie? Mm-hmm. You know? I, I saw it. And I don't remember any... I don't remember a frame of that movie. It's just... It's a very what's-the-point movie. Like, I distinctly remember seeing that movie, but I don't remember any of it. It's one of those movies where it was like, okay, I can see how this could be a good idea. Like the the Conan reboot. Yeah, the, which I liked. Jason Momoa. Like, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. Didn't go anywhere. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, that's because, you know, and I think, you know, people just, with that kind of stuff, automatically, and we're guilty of this, too, just kind of come, automatically come to a bad attitude with it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which so is, like, which oh, is, is Conan. it's unfair. It is unfair. And I'll admit, like, I'm guilty of, of film snobbery. Absolutely. I do, like, too. Like, I look at, you know, there are, uh, they Today, as a matter of fact, they released a trailer for the Poltergeist reboot. Yeah. I'm like, why? Yeah. What's automatically, it's like, I don't care. But yeah. it's like, because I guess, like, the original Poltergeist held such a, like, a very distinct place in the hearts of, like, kids who grew up watching movies in that era. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like if somebody came along and said, we're going to remake The Breakfast Club, I'd be like, fuck, no, you're not. Yeah. Why? Why? Exactly. Why? Because you want to put Selena Gomez in a high school? Right. Like, there's no point. Like, don't mm-hmm. remake things. Just make, write, write something else. Make something else. Yeah, and, and even though I heard it was pretty decent, like, I've never seen the, the Evil Dead remake, or reboot, or whatever it is. I've actually watched that. And I've heard that it's pretty good. But the whole, I just, I have no interest in it, because for me, it was like, this is the movie that made me want to make movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get that same sort of feeling out of a reboot, or whoever, someone else doing it, other people, other characters, all that kind of stuff. It's, I'm not going to get out of it what I got out of the original. I know this, so I didn't even bother. Right. Um, I watched it. To me, it's not a reboot. It, I almost get the feeling it happened around the same time. You know. Right. Well, like it's like almost like, like a, a later, cycle because like maybe maybe like a few days later. Well, my understanding of it was is that they had actually shot a scene where, because um, the main character is a girl, right? It's Correct. a woman, and. She, my understanding of it was that they had they had written or they had shot no they definitely shot uh, a scene at the end where she escapes from the cabin she gets out to a road mm-hmm. and then a truck pulls up and it's Ash yeah. driving the truck but the only actual footage that they used and I have seen this part is that at the end of the credits you have Bruce Campbell's face you know pop up and he says like groovy or he something. says groovy yeah which is, I guess is what happened in this when he picked her up. And that was with the original idea that they were going to make, yeah, they were going to make like a sequel to Army of Darkness, and then another sequel to the Evil Dead reboot, and then merge them. But then I guess that's not happening now. They're going to make sequels to the Evil Dead reboot movie, but now they have the Evil, the Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, Bruce Campbell TV show, which I believe is called Ash versus the Evil Dead, or Ash versus the Army of Darkness, something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'll be in the in, in a shared universe. Um, in a way, I, I'm kind of glad they're keeping them separate. Yeah, it's like they don't need to be 
Yeah. They're not, not everything. Well, just the connected. tones of those films are so diametrically opposed. They really are, because especially in Evil Dead 2, where the comedy is much more prominent than, you know, yeah. in, the, in the first Evil Dead, and then, of course, Army of Darkness, I would actually describe as a comedy with elements of horror in it. Yeah, well, I mean, Sam Raimi is, I mean, he was mainly influenced by the Three Stooges. Right. As a filmmaker, so. Whereas, I, to me, the Evil Dead remake almost felt like the rodeo. It was how much you could take before you had to turn away, before you had to, like, pause the movie or afraid to like walk out and go to the bathroom because there's some scenes of pretty intense gore right and as somebody who's i guess desensitized to it mm-hmm. you know um it, it wasn't all that shocking to me i mean it was it was rough it was hard to, it was not hard to get through it was like yeah okay yeah but you know you made it through i mean like i, I think nowadays there's unless the gore is completely out of place mm-hmm. like say punisher warzone right Okay, where it's just randomly out of place. <laughs> you know, I actually, I really liked that movie. I loved Punisher Warzone. I Except thought it was fantastic. For, I couldn't, I could not believe uh, how badly McNulty acted in that movie. Nick Nolte? McNulty. Did you not watch The Wire? Oh, McNulty. Yeah. McNulty. Yeah, I don't know what the okay. character, the, or the actor's name is. Jigsaw. His name is Jigsaw. The actor's name is Jigsaw. No, his his name is Dominic West. Oh, Dominic no, West. No, oh no, no, no. Dominic he, West is a great actor, and he was atrocious. I, I, they did that on purpose. That was a bad move. I with him and uh, Doug Hutchinson, who played his uh, younger brother Looney Bin Jim. Yeah. Um. I will. Okay, let's 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 address a couple things real quick. The first being that Doug Hutchinson was on Lost. He was right. Horace Goodspeed, and I really liked him on that show. And then he married a 16-year-old girl in real life. Okay. And then clearly went insane. Um, him and Dominic West, which I'm pretty sure is his name. Yeah. Um, the way they played those characters was very close to the comic book. It was very over-the-top and very crazy. Um, absolutely terrible. It's just, it's so, it's like nail-biting. It's like when I rewatched not too long ago, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Like, there's scenes where Uma Thurman is talking to herself, like, laying out her plans, what she's going to do to Gotham. I'm like, who are you talking to? Yeah. Like, you're just... the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You know, and then... Yeah, and that was my problem with, with fucking Jigsaw, was that he was just like... I mean, the over-the-top, fine. It could I mean, it was an over-the-top movie, for sure. But the fact that it was this, you know, I'm clearly supposed to be from New York, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like... Yeah. Stop it. Stop. Like, Pull it back just a little. You already have all this prosthetics on your face. Like, we get it. Like, calm down. Well, that, you know, going back to what I was saying about the gore, is like, there's certain scenes in that movie where the, the Punisher, Frank Castle, storms, like, this person's house, and he has one of the bad guys pinned up against the wall, and he punches him in the face so hard that the man's head detonates. Yeah, like, that's the kind of shit I want from the Punisher. <laughs> I remember watching it, I was like... Wait, 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 what? And I rewound it. And I was like, oh, he punched him so hard his head all blew to smithereens. Yeah. No. I'm okay with it. And then later on, he there's a fat guy, for some reason, sitting down in an elevator shaft. And uh, Frank Castle comes in and shoots him with a 9mm bullet. And his head, again, just vaporizes. Mm-hmm. It's from the pressure. Clearly. Um, <laughs> That's exactly what I want out of a Punisher movie. But it was completely ruined for me from, because of Jigsaw. Well, I... And, and the fact that they, uh, they killed... Uh, his psychic. Microchip. Yeah. Micro. 
Yeah, Micro. But it was cool that they... I liked who they cast to play Micro. Yeah, that was Wayne Knight. Cool. Oh, that was yeah. great. Um, the one... Com- well, the one hope I have mm-hmm. is that we will see Punisher in the Marvel Netflix series. Yeah. I hope that would be cool if they ran for Frank Castle. That would be very cool. Because there's a scene in Captain America 2 where they, they name Stephen Strange. When they're talking mm-hmm. about like the, the program with the, um, the three helicarriers when we're killing everybody. Right. And all their targets. Yeah. And of course, one would be Captain America. Then he's like, he's like, you, Tony Stark, Stephen Strange. Right. I want to see something like that. I want to hear like Matt Murdock talking about that Punisher guy was seen again or Frank Castle. You know, I, I, I want to see that. Because I think Punisher Warzone was about as close as you were going to get to an actual Punisher movie. Because mm-hmm. the Thomas Jane version with John Travolta, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's not terrible. I liked Thomas Jane as the Punisher, but every the, all the rest of that movie I was not okay with. Um, and then we, of course, remember the pitch-perfect Dolph Lundgren version. Mm. Well, yeah, it's Dolph Lundgren. You know, with... <laughs> Where he lived in the sewer for some reason. And, <laughs> yeah, his, and his <laughs> assistant was a drunk British actor. Yeah. I don't understand. But did you see that 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 short film that uh, Thomas Jane did? Which yes, is basically. Which is well, no, they they reference the fact that it is the Punisher. They they he later came out and said that that is the Punisher. Well, yeah. Well, does he gives the like, he the gives Punisher the skull the, one of the skull t shirts to some kid. Yeah. After he beats that guy to death with a bottle of Jim Beam. Yeah. That's a that short is really like grim and violent and depressing, and the I way, loved it. The way a Punisher movie should be. I think because it wasn't it was supposed to be, it wasn't it like a bid for Thomas Jane to be like let me do the Punisher again and let's do it right. I believe so, but I don't. Marvel has the rights to the Punisher back now. Yeah, and uh, as I understand it, the the original plan was to do Daredevil, mm-hmm. Punisher, I believe, Ghost Rider and um, Iron Fist to do like four standalone movies under the Marvel Knights. Oh, okay. Um, imprint because that's what they were for a long time is they were the Marvel Knights and that was like to let people know that there was it was not part of yeah the, I think Warzone was under that Marvel Mar- Knights yes yeah. Warzone was a Marvel Knight and then they were going to do some other things and I, I think when the Punisher Warzone didn't do what they had hoped it all kind of fell apart right. but now the Punisher has those rights back I mean Marvel has the rights back to the Punisher they have rights back to Blade I want to say they have the rights back to Ghost Rider but I'm not 100% sure mm-hmm. I kind of want to see them do that kind of stuff like redo Blade yeah, I, I don't know, man. Cause I, really, I I love the first two Blade movies. Yeah, I, Blade I Two was they, awesome. I don't think they hold up. Blade Two holds up. Yeah. Yes, for three specific reasons. Okay. Okay. Ron Perlman. Okay. Okay. Guillermo del Toro. Okay. And then Ron Perlman. Right. Those three specific reasons are why that movie holds up. But didn't Guillermo del Toro do the third one too? No. Oh. Um, I don't know. Um, David Goyer. Oh, that's right, and apparently, like... Him and Wesley Snipes were just fighting the yeah. whole time, and... Um, which, again... I don't... There's parts of that movie where I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, did you not watch the first two? Yeah. Do you not it's understand? Probably not. But it's funny, because David Goyer wrote the first two. Hmm. You know? Um, but I, Blade Two is obviously the best out of all of them. Right. And that actually reminds me of something. I'm gonna... Just real quick. Because we talked about this, I think, in the very first podcast, and I finally got the answer. We were talking about RoboCop. Okay. Frank Miller wrote both RoboCop 2 and RoboCop 3. Okay. So then that explains why the decline in quality is so very, very evident. Because RoboCop 1 is a masterpiece. 
Yeah. And RoboCop 2 is you're like, okay, all right. They, they just they stumbled. Let's see what they do with the third one. The third one, you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, who read this and said yeah. yes? Yeah, on the second one, he, like, he full-on wrote the third one, but he was one of, like, four or five writers of the second one. I'm of the firm belief that Frank Miller is completely overrated. I th- he, he did a couple of really awesome things, and that's about it. He did. Like, okay, the 300 graphic novel mm-hmm. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight Returns, yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, the Sin City stuff, the mm-hmm. good, a, a vast majority of it is really, really good. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, not so much. Like his his run on Daredevil, fantastic. Yeah. But there's other things where it's like, I, no, it's not as good as people think it is. Yeah. Like the the Dark Knight Strikes Again, it was okay. So it good. wasn't great. Yeah. Um, you know the he wrote RoboCop three. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. And that's and the one where he like detaches his legs and he can like jetpack around, right? Yes. For some reason Robocop they're like, you know what we need? We need him a faster way to get around and murder people. But why did they need to detach his legs? Why couldn't he just jetpack around with his legs? Because on. Frank Miller wrote it. Okay, fair enough. Um, anyway, that that was just a side thing because we, we we didn't know and I found out. Okay. Frank Miller was involved in all of that. And then supposedly he was gonna write a Batman versus Al Qaeda. That would have been, like, not a good idea at all. Not really. It was called Holy Terror, Batman. And then people were like, please don't do that to Batman. And then he was like, well, I'll just make it called Holy Terror with a new superhero. <clears throat> and they get rid of it. Do, yeah, he's do just... whatever he wants to do. So let me uh, kind of bring it back a little bit. Some of these, like, superhero movies and stuff like that. Did you watch the trailer for Fantastic Four? Yes, I did. Teaser? Yes, I did. That's what we should... That's good. We um, should and especially knowing your intense hatred for Miles Teller. Thank you. Um... Thoughts? Um, it looks like a giant pile of shit. Mm-hmm. It, it it's intriguing in the way it's shot, but again, it just it looks like Chronicle. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me that it, it it almost was like they they didn't want you to realize that it was a superhero movie. Absolutely, it looked like, more like Interstellar. Like, yeah, Interstellar did pretty well, so did really well. So it's a space sci-fi thing. Superheroes now. Well. So much. Just from what I'm, just from what I've seen and what I've read, it's it it appears, and I could be wrong, to be very heavily influenced by the ultimate version of the Fantastic Four. Okay. Because uh, you know, there's there's in Marvel, the Marvel comics, there's two right continuities. There's the ultimate continuity, and then there's the original six one six, which is the universe we all know. Right. And uh, it appears that the this Fantastic Four version is very heavily based on the ultimate version of the Fantastic Four, which. And in, in from the synopsis that I read is they don't even go into space and get their powers. They go to an alternate universe right. and get their powers. It doesn't even say if they come back to our Earth. Just that right. they, they go to an alternate universe and they get their powers and have to figure out how to deal with them. What? Yeah. And then, like, I read somewhere that Dr. Doom was, like, that's, like, the handle of, like, a hacker guy. Yeah, it's not, like, it's not, he's not Victor Von Doom. I don't think there's any mention of Latveria. It's right. just, like, I don't get it. I don't under, and I don't understand why it's so hard maybe just Fantastic Four is just something that can't correctly be put on the silver screen it absolutely can <laughs> let's figure it out right now okay so the number one thing you have to cast in this the the, uh, the hard part right is, is the casting of the thing Ben Grimm right now the original Fantastic Four movies got it correct when they cast Michael Chiklis okay that was great. All right, so those are the we're okay. So we're we're discounting the Corman stuff, the Corman movie. Yes. Okay. Because 
They don't even use their powers until the end of the movie, and then when Reed Richards' arm stretches, you don't see him, arm, you just see an arm come in the screen. Right. It's terrible. Now, you know what movie I did like was the Roger Corman Captain America movie? With this giant helmet, where mm-hmm. he's like, carjacks like two people. And he has fake ears yeah. that are flopping around the whole time. Yeah. And then he's fighting an Italian Red Skull. <laughs> for some reason, I'm like, no, yeah. you're the Nazi. Yeah. This is the reason for that. That was my favorite part of those movies, is the fact that twice in the movie, he's just like, he stops someone on the road, they get out of the car, and he's like, I'm really sorry about this, and then just gets in their car and drives away. <laughs> like, twice in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Bad enough that it happened once. Yeah. It was hilarious the first time. Yeah. The second time, it was like, yeah, this is a great movie. Anyway. Anyway, so going back to the original, like, if you're going to cast a Fantastic Four, the one I thought Naomi Watts would have been a perfect Sue Storm. Yeah. I'd say bring back Chickless. I, um, he's a little too old now. He's a little long in the tooth. He's got prosthetics and shit all over. So, I guess you could bring back Chickless as a thing. Okay, but who would you say for the thing? Okay, casting younger actors now. Okay, yeah. Um. Like, if you were casting, if you were casting your Fantastic Four movie, what would it be? And age is no factor. Age is no factor. Okay. Reed Richards would have been played by Clive Owen. Okay. Um, I would have cast... Naomi Watts as Sue Storm. Okay. Michael Chiklis as Ben Grimm, The Thing. Right. And then casting Johnny Storm is kind of tricky because Chris Evans did a really good job as Johnny Storm where he's a douche, but you love him. Right. Okay. So at that point, I'm kind of open to interpretation. Okay. But I guess if I had to choose... I don't know. It would be Miles Teller. Um, it, I would have Miles Teller play a guy who gets raped in the corner of the screen the entire movie for no reason. Oh, okay. For a good two hours and 15 minutes. Just raping. And then just the, no explanation whatsoever. Hmm. Now look. Okay. I'm saying I'm saying that okay. I don't like... Let me, let me amend this. It's not that I don't like Miles Teller. It's just I don't like the way he acts. He plays right, the same character in every fucking movie. I understand. I understand. And I guarantee you, when you meet Reed Richards in this new Fantastic Four, he'll be a smug douche. Oh, yeah. But what I would like to see, and um, writers of SNL, you're welcome for this right now. I think it would be hilarious if, you know, there was like a, you know, there was like a scene from Whiplash where he's like fucking drumming mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's like Beep! and there's a whole another drum set over there and he's like fucking rocking out on that one that would be okay yeah or um <laughs> <laughs> who would you cast as Doctor Doom Doctor Doom you know that's the other thing too that's a that's a very important character in the Marvel canon in terms of villains because mm-hmm. Doctor Doom has fought everybody yeah He's even gone toe-to-toe with other villains like Norman Osborn and stuff like that during the Siege storyline. Um, if I can keep Doctor Doom completely in the costume, in the mask, I would cast Peter Stormare. No! Yeah. Which, but see, like, that's the thing that always got me about Peter Stormare, is that with Peter Stormare, I feel less is more. Especially when he starts talking. And he's got that goofy, like, maybe I'm from Russia! I, I, that's, that's what I pictured Doctor Doom sounding like. You're wrong. Peter Stormare. Nope. Although I did enjoy him in Constantine. Yeah. As the devil. Yeah. When he when he finally... Now, okay, understand, Constantine the movie is not... It's a disappointment. It is. It, it, I enjoy it, but it's a disappointment. I really like the TV show. I love the TV show. I don't know if it's coming back, though. It is. 
Did they announce it? It's coming back for a second season? I think so. I think I heard that. Okay. Because I know Blacklist and um, some other show got renewed, but I haven't heard anything about Constantine. I think I think it did. I could be wrong, but oh. I think it did. Guillermo del Toro is going to make a Justice League Dark movie. And the Justice League Dark is like, you don't know what that is. Either. I don't. Not okay. at all. When the New 52 rebooted in the DC Universe, they um, created a, a second Justice League uh-huh. to deal with like the supernatural elements. Uh-huh. And that's led by John Constantine. Uh-huh. And so they want to talk about bringing that guy. You're not. Even, I could just poop monkey butt. I could just say anything right now. You wouldn't even care. Uh-huh. So anyway. Anyway. <laughs> no. Okay. So led by John Constantine. Yeah, it's like you know. That, that oh, okay. I'm okay with this. This sounds good. But isn't all right? My understanding of because I actually haven't read Hellblazer in a while, but I've always loved Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and isn't it that they keep it that he ages in real time? Yes. So he's like in his sixties now. Or something. Um, I want, yeah, he's in, because when the comic started, I believe he was in his 30s, his late, mid to late 30s. Right. And now he's clearly yeah, cause it, cause he, in his 50s. They always had, like, the, the callbacks to when he was, like, he played in a punk band in the late 70s in, in England. Yeah. You know, when he was a teenager. Yeah, and that, which, which is one of the things I, I enjoy, is that he ages in real time, and he doesn't adhere to the sliding time scale of Real quick, one of the things that I want to get to that I had an issue with is I just I just finished reading the Marvel Infinity storyline where um, there's two thing two big things happen. Um, one is that um, this ancient race of aliens called the Builders, who are responsible for pretty much all life in the galaxy, including ours, okay. are destroying the universe to start all over again. And so they're coming to Earth to kill everybody, and you know Captain America, everybody's like, "Oh, hang on a minute." Right. So. 99% of the Avengers go off-world to fight the Builders. There's all these cool space battles, and they're aligned with, like, you know, the Shi'ar and the Kree and um, the Spartax Empire and all these guys. And the Brood as well. Okay. So then all the heroes left on Earth are left to deal with an invasion by Thanos. So while all the heroes are off fighting, okay, Thanos invades Earth and nearly conquers it. You know? Okay. And a, a certain number of heroes left behind, like Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Black Panther and... The big one is the Inhumans. And now right. the, the leader of the Inhumans is this dude named the Black Bolt. And uh, his one of his major powers is that he his he has a like a hypersonic, super powerful voice. And it's if he speaks, he could literally crack the planet in half. Okay. Which is, talk about overpowered. But um, that's his main power. So like, there's one point where an assassin comes to kill him and he's like, stop. And like blows up a ship and stuff like that. Yeah, so you're just, I don't know, what the fuck? Yeah. So there's one point where the Black Bolt and Thanos are fighting, right? Right. And uh, the, well, let me tell you real quick. The Inhuman home city is called Adelan, and right now it's positioned over Manhattan. Okay. Okay, because clearly the U.S. would allow that. Right. Um, so the Black Bolt and Thanos are fighting, and Black Bolt says something to him, and, and Thanos says something to the Black Bolt, and Black Bolt's like, oh, no! And he like, screams it. He screams it so loud that his city is completely destroyed. Okay? And then, like, a good... 60 square blocks of Manhattan is completely decimated. Just like ripped apart, gone. Okay. Okay. Here's where I have confusion with comic books. All right. After the alien invasion is stopped and Thanos is repelled, mm-hmm. the superheroes are shown helping reconstruct Manhattan for what must be the 900th time. Right. Okay. How long does that shit take? And then at what point does like every normal human, like, you know what? Nope, I'm out of here. Yeah. And they move the hell out of Manhattan. Yeah, seriously. That's like, so that's like the one thing. It's like in Metropolis, like in Man of Steel, where Metropolis is the size of 
nine major cities combined. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then Superman and General Zod destroy all of it. Yeah, the whole thing. They destroyed the whole thing. It's seriously. It's like <laughs> at one point you're like, oh, enough. Yeah. Like it had been one thing if like one building collapsed during the fight, that would have been shocking. Like seven or of like them. Like like a city block. No, not even that. Like I wouldn't even make him Superman that powerful because like yeah, like when he's fighting other villains and like you know maybe the whole city block is destroyed, but if like mm-hmm. if it's just Superman and General Zod and they're flying through a building like smashing into each other and they collapse the building, that to me. Is like more impressive and, and devastating than like seeing the whole city destroyed. Yeah. At that point, you're just like, okay, I get it. He's ridiculously overpowered. Sure. Who cares? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. That was my one complaint with the Infinity Storm. Okay. Just shit, just being destroyed. Everything's being destroyed, and people are just like, well, just rebuild it. I think back in the uh, back in the day, I want to say the late '80s or back in what we like to call the day. Yeah. Like the late 80s, early 90s or something. Mm-hmm. There was a short run comic that they did. I think it was called like Damage Squad or something like that. Where it was about the, uh, like the, there's like a, a construction company. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're, they did. They contract with the city to like clean up everything after like superhero battles. What an awesome job that would be. Yeah. I just remember the the cover of like the first issue for some reason. It stuck with me. And it was all these construction guys and. They're, like, looking at plans and everything's all destroyed. And, like, Spider-Man's, like, swinging away. He's all, thanks, fellas, or whatever. And they're all, like, Meh. It would be a cool job. Yeah. And you'd think that'd be a booming business. Yeah. I, I wonder if that'll ever happen. What superheroes destroying the city? If there'll ever be real superheroes in your life. It's something I wondered. Like, that are actually super? Or not just well, people I, like... Well, I don't know if it's going to be actual metahumans, yeah. genetically engineered people, or just some dude in a hockey mask. I'm going to say it's going to stay some dude in a hockey mask. Forever? For, yeah. It, well, we're not going to see it in our lifetime. Sorry. If there's a super soldier program, I would like to volunteer for it right now. Yeah. Huh? How long have we been going? I don't know. How long have we been going? Yeah, I think we're we're at about we're at about an hour and a half, a little over an hour and a half. Okay, so we're gonna wrap it up then. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. This is a very comic heavy podcast. Yeah, we got we got really into the comics again. But it just happens. It just happens. We'll try and. But I like uh, that we 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 brought in movies. Next time, I want to talk about Jupiter Ascending. Okay. Because I think it looks like a gigantic clusterfuck. Okay. Isn't it? Is it out yet? It out. It's out Friday tomorrow. Okay. So if you're listening to this on Monday, it came out last Friday. Well, I will do what I can to see it then. Okay. And then, because I want to hear about it, because I'm pretty sure it looks like shite. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's it, everybody. All right. We'll see so, you. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Um, um, this should this is going to be the week where uh, something heavy is not just going to be the podcast. We're going to start having some new stuff. New content. Um, new content. My show, The Backlog, is going to come to tomorrow so you're going to be watching this on monday so i think tuesdays when the backlog is going to premiere yeah and then uh, i don't know about the other ones but we'll get it sorted out and you'll find you'll be seeing new original content on the show on the channel as much as possible um like and subscribe i have no problem saying that also please uh share us on your Mm -hmm. facebook wall your your twitter feed your um instagrams Mm -hmm. um your snapchats your um google plus your circles um, whatever else you have yeah, if you just want to text somebody and say hey there's these two fat nerds that talk about things I think you'd, you'd enjoy it send us on, on your texts 
uh, your mobile text messages on your mobile device. SMSs. SMS. SMSs. Yeah. SMSs. And uh, yeah, just go ahead and, yeah, and yeah. do also, all Also, the audio version of this is now on iTunes as well. Yeah, just search for something heavy. Um, manufacturing or something heavy cast, something heavy podcast, and you'll find us. Yeah. Um, subscribe there as well, because the more people that subscribe on iTunes, the better for us. Um, yeah, the more people who watch and, and subscribe, it helps us out. And uh, so. this podcast was brought to you by no one, because we don't have any sponsors yet. So if you'd like to sponsor us, please give us money. And we'll read your ad. Um, yeah, please. Okay. All right, so we'll see you next week. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.